When I was growing up, I assumed that our economy would grow forever. Now we know better, and it's time for us to come to grips with what that means for us. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of March 6th, 2014. Today our topic is, to go along with what you said in your opening, subsistence farming in a zero-growth economy, because we certainly have seen evidence um, in the past decade, really, that um, the economy is not going to grow infinitely. There is an end. And we are as attached to the idea of economic growth as anyone is. Um, We ourselves are grieving over the end of economic growth because it's not a particularly welcome prospect for anyone, including us. Um, But we think that we are reaching the point at which it becomes increasingly silly to deny the end of economic growth. To to argue that we're going to keep on growing just seems more and more foolish and more and more disconnected from reality. That's true. And even as you say that, I do every now and then hear statements about well, we know the economy is going to come back or, you know, those housing prices are going to just soar again. Oh, absolutely. We are still in denial as a culture. But my point is those voices of denial are getting more feeble and sounding more and more hollow, I guess. Is... Yeah, yeah. Because And the evidence is there um, with the value of the dollar and and. What we have to pay for things, um, the the lack of stability in the econ- in the world economies, um, it's just a, a kind of a scary time, actually. And the only reason that our economy has not already begun to uh, demonstrate a negative growth rate is that we keep borrowing from our children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren to prop up the banks and the big corporations at the expense of the rest of us uh, because they can make it look like we're growing when in fact all we're doing is hanging on for just a few more days and seeing if we can keep it all together. Um, So let's assume that we are looking at the end of economic growth in our windshield and sort of think through what that means for us. Right. What what will it be like to not have growth in the economy over the next over the coming decades? Um, I know that interest rates are affected. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to. Well, you just can't pay interest in a an economy that has no growth. The whole idea of interest is based on economic growth increasing the supply of money to allow you to pay back the money you have borrowed plus some additional as interest. But if the economy is no longer growing, and it does seem that it won't be, you can't pay interest on money you have borrowed, 
which means it stops making any sense to lend money. Right. Which, parenthetically, if you're in the banking business, that means your business is doomed. <laughs> and if you and if you're thinking that I'm going to be a a stable, happy banker forty years from now, uh, get with the program. Banking is going to collapse uh, in a, in any form that we recognize, and um, so it's it's just it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, which is what's scary to me personally. When you're you're saying, how does this affect? those of us who are trying to make it either farming or subsistence farming um, is that when you recognize that money is going to be harder to come by, then, you know, how do we deal with that? Are we just going to be perpetually unhappy? Are we going to be um, unsafe? Um, are we going to starve? I mean, there, you know, when, when money's harder to come by, I look at, we, I think we learn lessons from the Depression era there. But, of course, a lot of people were happy with relatively little money. They made ends meet. And think of the Waltons. Ha-ha. I don't mean that to be a joke. because, But that was, you know, and, and I talked to my own relatives who lived through the Depression. And they did, they did take care of each other. And they learned how to grow their own food. Hello. <laughs> well, and, and this is the point at which I chime in with my favorite expression, uh, that you and our children are absolutely sick of hearing, uh, but I'm going to keep saying it because it matters. When I was growing up, we knew what success was all about. Cousin Tony was a success because he made a lot of money. That was the way that we defined success when I was growing up. In the generation to come, we will come to understand that success is all about finding ways to be happy while making little or no money. And that's just a completely different paradigm from what I learned growing up, but it is the, the world we are facing, this idea of learning to be happy with little or no money. Um, in general, money will slow down uh, when when lending stops, that means money doesn't flow as fast. And when money doesn't flow as fast, it is harder to come by. Or, as you already mentioned, it begins to lose its value. Mm -hmm. There's always a possibility that our government will attempt to keep the money supply flowing by printing more and more money, but then that makes the money worth less and less. Yeah. So it's either worthless or it's impossible to find. So it, either way, money is going to matter less in the economy to come. What will matter? Well, let's, let's first talk about um, how all of this works. If you can't make money by working the way you, you and I made money by working mm -hmm. when we were young, then human labor becomes cheaper. You know, your mm -hmm. own labor, the labor of others becomes less valuable, mm. which is a kind of a depressing thought, but it really it's is. true. You know, but it, what it means is there, you begin to place more value on things you can do yourself because your time is cheaper. So if you can spend, instead of two hours and, and make $20 an hour, you may spend six, six hours and avoid spending $40 on something. 
because you build it yourself or you make it yourself or you dig your own trench or you um, do your own wiring of your electricity or whatever, right? Or you grow your own food. Or you grow your own food. I was going to say I actually don't don't have electrical expertise, but I am hoping that between the two of us, we are increasingly able to grow our own food. And produce our own protein. We've talked about, Mm -hmm. in other programs, we've talked about trying to bring on um, fish from the pond and chickens and rabbits, all designed to create sources of protein that we can enjoy. That's right. And um, anything that we do to um, add to the cycle of, um, I guess, the, the, the healthy environment that's on the farm, I think, adds to it, too. In other words... Yes, we talked last week about ornamentals, that um, having planting something that attracts the right kind of wildlife, the right kind of pollinators, that adds to the ability to be subsistence farmers, to take care of ourselves. And we're unembarrassed about cultivating beauty around us. We think beauty matters. So I know. uh, Not only things that look pretty, but also... uh, creating beautiful music together. You and I have lately enjoyed, uh, you're playing the dulcimer, my playing the auto harp. It's something that gives both of us pleasure. And there will be a renewed emphasis on that kind of joy, the simple joys of relationships. And once we paid for our instruments, and uh, then as long as we can keep them in good repair, we actually That entertainment's free, isn't it? That's right. (laughs) I'll play for myself for free. So where does subsistence farming fit in with all of that? What we've set out to do here is to eliminate as much as possible of the cost of inputs that we need to purchase from off the farm. And one of the things that we will soon begin to measure, we frankly are not measuring it yet, is the amount of money we spend off the farm with the eye toward reducing that amount each year from here on out. And the more money we can avoid spending off the farm, we think the more resilient, the more stable we will be. Right. And, you know, one thing that we've learned a little bit about is it's not all about paying for everything. Or people, I've often had people ask me, well, can I buy some of your vegetables? I'm thinking, no, I'll give them to you if I have extras. Um, I'll give you some a, a, a canned um, jar of pickles or something if I have an extra one or as a gift. Um, it's just not as a part of a bartering or anything like that, just because that's what friends do to take care of each other. Yeah, and and that is a, that's a new way of looking at things. It's something that you and I have, be- have become quite comfortable with is this whole idea of the gift economy. But a lot of our friends don't get it yet. You know, to them, they're wondering, well, aren't you going to sell something? You know, you, you talk about all this food you're raising. What can you sell? And to us, that's not the point at all. We don't have any interest in selling what we grow. We want to give it away because for us, it's all about building relationships. And if we can give from our abundance, then we fully expect others with whom we're in relationship will give from theirs and it makes us all stronger and that has happened we've we've you know we do take care of each other and 
Um, I might be growing one crop, somebody's growing something else, or they have eggs or what have you. So, you know, we can... Yeah, or we might have or food we have and eggs. somebody else might have expertise on mm-hmm. how to install solar panels or whatever. And yeah. um, we help each other out. It's not the same as barter. And you may think of them as similar, but they're really not because barter is a quid pro quo. I'll give you this if you'll give me that. And barter, by its nature, is more brittle than the gift economy. The gift economy says, I have abundance, let me share it with you. Oh, you have abundance, you share it with me. And, and oh, I see you need this, let me provide it. That is an inherently more stable and resilient system than one based on barter. Right. Um, well, and we've talked uh, a good bit in the past about things that we've done ourselves around here, um, but as opposed to hiring it done, I try to know my limitations of, well, I just can't do that. I mentioned the electrical wiring. That's not in my area of expertise, but there are things that we can do, and we painted our apartment. You know, we were talking about repainting one of the rooms, and um, you're installing towel bars and you know building and i'd love for you to build some furniture and that kind of thing and you know i was just thinking the other day when we were living in a suburban home in uh outside birmingham we thought nothing of asking a person to come into our home once a week to clean it up and uh, mop and i've forgotten what all she did um that wouldn't make any sense for us to do today. No. We use our own time and energy, and we do those things ourselves. Right. Um, and that's part of that conversion to doing it yourself or asking a friend to help us with it. Yeah, and I may get to the point I can't do all the cleaning, but uh, when that time comes, I hope that I have enough money or I can barter or something and, and actually get it accomplished get somebody to help me out right now though i'm perfectly able-bodied and i do the cleaning (laughs) (laughs) and with that becomes this new emphasis on relationships relationships with our neighbors relationships with our family relationships with our friends Um, they they become much more important as money recedes in importance that's certainly true and we become aware of needs of, I mean, the media certainly makes us aware of the needs of those far away. Um, we talked about our world getting smaller. In some ways, it's because we are so connected. These relationships that you mentioned span great distances. I mean, social networks, social media, you know, that's one way in which the world is smaller. Yeah, and then another way of looking at that is to twist that around and look at it from the other point of view, which is that as energy becomes more dear, energy becomes more precious, energy becomes less available. What that means is that we can travel less. We can't get to, you know, that right now you and I think nothing of driving 50 miles. That's a, that's a routine sort of thing for us. Uh, we won't be able to drive 50 miles 20 years from now. I don't think. I think, or, or it certainly will be a bigger deal. We might learn to, to bike 50, 50 miles. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's going to be harder to travel 
50 miles 20 years from now than it is today. And that means that the relationships we have with people who live within walking distance will become much more important. And the relationships we have with people who are 100 or 500 or 6,000 miles away probably will become less important. Unless we still have the Internet. As I said, we, you know, Facebook and social media, we still have those relationships. Yeah, and, and, and we all hope we will still be able to use the Internet. I'm skeptical. As we've talked about before, the Internet, the, the, the way you're probably listening to this podcast is because there is a server spinning 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, ready to provide that program to you whenever you request it. I don't see that happening for 20 years from now. I, I, I see those 24-7 servers as becoming more and more difficult to maintain. And when they become difficult to maintain, I'm not sure there's a lot left of the, that ubiquitous connection that comes from the Internet today. I, I realize that when I say that, I'm going against conventional wisdom. Everybody assumes whatever else happens, we're going to have the Internet. But just think about what has to happen in order for you to have the Internet. You, you, just think about all those computers that have to stay on 24 hours a day and all the, over the world. Right, and the energy needs will just be... Um, maxed out and of course I like to dream and think well maybe solar panels can keep it going <laughs> but uh, because I am dependent on it not just for a lot of relationships but also information that's just uh, at your fingertips really and, just... uh, and and boy is anyone more dependent on the internet than you and and I are we we just use it all the time and and I I in some ways, we use it more than people do in the city. Um, so I'm certainly in there hoping that the Internet continues to be available. But I submit to you that it would be a profitable exercise to begin thinking about what you can do today to preserve information so that you can still get access to it if you can't get it on the Internet. Right. And luckily... I have, I think about gardening books, um, and I do have a lot of those, and I'm glad I do because I have to admit that my first line of um, strategy when I'm thinking, okay, how, what is the planting depth for potatoes? I don't have to look it up in a book. I just just go on the pull, internet I, or pull my smartphone out while I'm out there in the field and say, oh yeah, there it is. Go to aces.edu and look yeah. it up and there yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, but it probably does, it, this probably does mitigate in favor of a, a person developing somewhat of just a hard copy library of gardening books or farming books or whatever they're doing. Or carpentry whatever. books. Right. Or wiring books or whatever. Yeah. Thanks to your Uncle David, we did inherit quite a few we of We did. Those. Thank you. And he thank was... you, David and Betty. So, well, I guess it's about time for us to sign off for this week, but we hope you have a good one and we'll catch up with you next time. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. 
Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.